All right. It appears that we are on the air. Sesh, are you ready? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Going to be one of those shows. Maria, are you ready? Yep. yep. All right. Then in five, four, three, two. Hello, all you spry tubers, twitchers, and pod people out there. Welcome to the Could You Do It Better podcast. We're filmmaker, gamer extraordinaire, and the behind-the-scenes awesomeness known as Sesh. And the writing and <laughs> directing <laughs> sensation. It's thing. It's really good for this podcast. It's wonderful. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, and the writing and directing sensation known as Maria discuss popular television shows and movies and answer the always controversial question of could you do it better today we will be discussing episode seven of season one of ryan condal's house of the dragon television series based upon george R. R. martin's novel fire and blood and as for me i'm jonathan the intern and unlike our two experts have no industry experience whatsoever in other words i'm much like Lanor where every episode I stumble around apologetically for not knowing what happened, am told multiple times how much I failed the leading ladies, and at the end of the episode have to somehow escape being tossed in the incinerator such that I can make it to next week. And now, to <laughs> Sesh and Maria. Woo! Yeah, yeah it's like a survival story. I only I only botched that that intro a little, so we're we're set to go today. No. I don't know. <laughs> um, so welcome everybody back. We have made it to episode seven. Um, we have some interesting opinions this week, I think, and uh, this episode might even rate a little bit better than the last one. But uh, that's all spoilers. <laughs> Which brings me to my next point: spoiler warning. In this episode, we will be doing a detailed recap of Episode 7 of the House of the Dragon TV series that will contain spoilers throughout. So if you haven't watched this episode and don't want to hear spoilers before you do, please feel free to put us on mute as you watch the episode, then re-watch our show afterwards. And that's how you double view counts. And now, on to the recap, as mandated by our legal department. Another dark open, as we watch Lena's seaside funeral. All the royals are there, including Otto, back as the hand, as apparently there must not have been a single other person within Westeros who wants to have the job of guiding the king. Angry Doctor Who laughs at the eulogy just to be a dick, followed by two straight minutes of enough awkward glances and pregnant pauses to make the Twilight directors jealous. Over to Helena playing with a spider while on the nose prophesizing about the coming war for the throne. She might as well just said, there will be war. There will be war, yes. Another six minutes of awkward glances, followed by the king offering condolences to Damon and offering him a position back in court, which Damon rejects, angrily saying, I don't need anything from you. Also, the king is suffering from dementia. I'll give the director this. They've actually portrayed a funeral. Lanus and Corliss have a fireside chat where Lanus blames her husband for killing their daughter by marrying her off to Damon and asking Corliss to disinherit Rhaenyra's children as heirs because they are not their sons. Corliss is like, tell me what you remember first, your name or your blood type? Yeah, that's what I thought. Corliss, exult. 
Meanwhile, Rhaenyra and Damon are talking amicably on the beach, which seems a little odd, until Rhaenyra starts telling Damon her marriage is a farce, her kids aren't hers, her husband's not good in bed, and she wishes Damon just would have sexually assaulted, kidnapped, and married her, thereby finishing the grooming process. Wow, House of the Dragon. Just wow. One minute of silent staring and groping, followed by Bella, oh, sorry, I meant Rhaenyra, and <laughs> uh, awkward kissing. Damon sparkles in the moonlight. <laughs> and then they do the horizontal mambo number five on the very visible beach right after Damon's wife's funeral. Great. Meanwhile, Amond, uh, again, I think, we still haven't really been introduced, didn't learn from the Hobbit that one cannot just sneak up on sleeping dragons. Luckily for him, Lena's dragon is like, fine, kid, let's see what you got. And Eamon learns how to train his dragon in the moonlight in some breathtaking, albeit very dark, scenes. Apparently, the dragon flight loosened up Eamon's balls enough to drop, and he takes on both of Rhaenyra's and Damon's kids in a wild melee. Damon's daughters call him a horse thief. Eamon's like, welcome to the OC, biatches. Punches fly. Eamon rocks Jace in the face and calls them bastards while trying to choke out Luke. Jace pulls out a knife at a rock fight, but gets rocked again in the head. Knife goes flying. Eamon gets in skull bashing position. Jace throws sand in Eamon's face in a manner that would make Scar from the Lion King proud. And then little Biddle Luke grabs the knife and cuts a biatch slicing up Eamon's CNI. Everyone gets called to the principal's office. A PTA meeting ensues where all parents angrily scream their child is innocent. And where was the proper security? Chief Security Officer Lord Commander Kristen Cole attempts to calm everyone by saying he didn't know protecting people was his job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that actually tracks. Uh, Rhaenyra says, a knife on the sly may slice someone's eye, but calling my son's bastards is forsaken. Principal Viserys interrogates his sons, asking where they learned that from. Aegon says, I learned it from everyone but you, Dad. I learned it from everyone but you. Parents who use the word bastard have kids who use the word bastard. The more you know. <laughs> Viserys, like any good principal, is like, please stop fighting. Now everyone say you're sorry to each other and love each other unconditionally because I'm the principal, damn it. The parents look on in disbelief. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember those meetings with the principal. <laughs> Queen Alicent calls for an eye for an eye. And after she's told no, she grabs the king's dagger of destiny and tries to remove the eye herself, but instead slashes Rhaenyra in the process. Battle lines are drawn. Well, and then that scene ends. Soon after, <laughs> the hand applauds his daughter and says, you are your father's child. An eye in the hand is worth a dragon in the bush. Now go to the king and play the victim. And play the victim. You're good at that. Oh. Lainor stumbles into Rhaenyra's chambers like any confused dad, asking what he missed. Lainor blames himself for being gay. Rhaenyra's like, no, you're just a bad husband. Lainor recommits himself to the marriage. The king and his entourage then leave Driftmark. Oh, goody. 
another Laris Queen scene. Laris offers to give Alicent an eye. Alicent is like, nah, ah, good. But you know what? I'm going to keep you on the hook for a late night discretionary duplicitous booty call of treason. <laughs> Laris likes that. Over to Rhaenyra, where she just asked Damon once again to be her uncle husband, and she doesn't care if that means Lenor is killed. So Damon does the responsible thing any person lacking brain cells would do, and buys Lenor's lover off to kill him. Rhaenyra and Damon get married, and bring new meaning to blood marriage, with their four young children watching in horror. Episode ends, and surprise! Lenor faked his own death to run away with his lover, Sir Carl. Cue the music. This episode is brought to you by Caribbean Carousal Vacations. Have a tropical itch that needs scratching? Worried what your extended family might think if they catch you getting it on at a funeral? Here at Caribbean Carousal Vacations, we offer sensual seaside sexcapades that are always at your full discretion. Whether you're there with a lover, a friend, or even your uncle minutes after he dumped his wife still smoldering corpse in the ocean, your privacy is our utmost concern. Caribbean Carousal Vacations, where sex on the beach is only a family affair if you want it to be. Back to you, Sesh and Maria. No, no, no. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Don't thank me. Thank our legal department and Caribbean I, Carousal Vacations. I was too far away from the mic because I had to get my dog out of the room since he was grumbling. But the line of the balls dropping while holding on to the dragon. Oh, it's going to stick with me. It's just something that's going to make me laugh for a very long time. Yes. You get another week. Oh, I've got another week. No incinerator for me, guys. I'm back, baby. All right. Let's settle into our first question of the night. Oh, and make anyone's balls drop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Good job. Good job. Good. Good recap. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, so we're going to settle into the first question of the night, which is, uh, did the funeral scene deliver the drama it was intending, and how would you have set it up? I'm going to go ahead and start this one off. <laughs> I think it relied too heavily on dolly shots, used in this way as a slow-moving camera following characters from the point of view of another character walking. It was done so much it pulled me out of the scene. The actual drama was a bit confusing, especially why Laner's father would be angry with him mourning his own sister by the sea. Uh, waiting for Viserys to finally get the energy to stand up and say nice things to Damon was more than underwhelming. The pining Rhaenyra was, uh, has for Damon is excruciatingly obvious. However, it may just be me, but I'm not feeling any real chemistry between them now that she is a woman grown. Um, I felt like the whole scene could have been done more succinctly, especially with the opening priest leaning heavily on pure blood, which only serves to make everyone mad, even the king married outside. 
Um, it belabors the point of contention and turns the obvious into the uber obvious to the point even Damon can't even keep a straight face at his own wife's funeral. I also felt attached from the scene because I had no real chance to get to know Damon's wife. So that impact of the morning was not as strong as it should have been. What I did like was the alliance Jace forged with Damon's girls by offering subtle comfort. I thought that was set up, a uh, good setup of showing um, Eamon being disliked by them uh, from the get-go, and it was pretty well done. Um, the lurking wannabe hand felt obvious and awkward. I would think someone conniving wouldn't make it look like he is conniving to the world so much. Like, really? <laughs> No, man, that, that, that's his job. That, that's who Otto is. You know, he gets straight to the point. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, Jonathan? Um, it, it, it felt like being at a funeral. Um, <laughs> if, if only, uh, you know, the crying and general sadness was replaced by blank stares and general confusion, like what would happen if people found out they were mistakenly attending the wrong funeral, oh. but didn't want to be rude and just leave. <laughs> Um, no, I, honestly, uh, the scene just, just to me, it felt extremely long and, and plotting. I, I know what you're saying, but I, I don't think there needed to be so, so, so many shots of characters just staring at each other without anything being conveyed. Um, you know, I, I made, a, I made a few Twilight jokes in the recap and honestly, that's what I felt I, I was watching. 30 seconds of two characters staring at each other, followed by a few words, and then an additional 30 seconds of two characters staring at each other. Um, on, and, and that happened on repeat for what, eight minutes, 10 minutes, you know? Also, the emotions of the funeral didn't really land for me, as, as Maria, you said, Lena was a character who we knew for maybe five minutes of screen time at absolute most. So spending more time at her funeral than with her when she was alive, that that seemed like an odd choice to me. I I think the show could have shortened these scenes by at least five minutes, and not only would it not have lost anything, I think it actually might have tightened the episode up a bit more. You know, even if it was just one uh, rolling shot, you know, where you're going ahead and scanning and you're following each person's eyes as they're settling on another person, such that you could see a web. Like you could get that all done in the get-go, then get your dialogue done and 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 move forward. It just seemed way too much and and unnecessary to me. I can see that visually. What do you what did you think about it, Sash? Uh yeah, so the, the funeral scene itself and the scenes on that little cliff uh had so much silence. Like lots of unknown characters just filling space and drinking on their merry day. They didn't really look sad even. Um, and they were just there to like obscure the vision of the main characters looking at the other main characters. <laughs> uh, it was, uh, since everyone was just staring at each other from a distance with like minimal interactions, it didn't really feel close enough to uh, accomplish that good, like awkward silence that we do see later on in the episode. Um, I, I think they were kind of going for that too. So I don't think they really hit the mark with that. Um, it had some awkwardness to it, but uh, it, was, it was just not hitting the mark for like that awkward silence. Um, like the overall episode as a funeral episode though, I felt did a very good job of setting up um, a lot while also accomplishing a lot. Um, even 
it, not so much happened at the wake itself. The rest of the episode kind of filled the time pretty well, at least. So that was good. But yeah, it was definitely, I like some slow pacing, but this, it, there was something like really weird about the pacing for the funeral, funeral scene specifically. So our next question is, did Rhaenyra's aggressive vetting of her uncle show she was empowered like the directors are trying to set up? I'm going to go ahead and take this one first again. I think the whole concept of the directors put forth of Rhaenyra being empowered in the previous episodes by being the sexual aggressor to Damon is wrongheaded. The whole concept of grooming and an innocent is to make them think it is their idea and what they want. So when it happens and they feel bad, they turn the guilt on themselves instead of where it should completely fall. Granted, in this world, dating relatives isn't considered bad. However, it still shows Renera never had a chance to make up her own mind about who she is attracted to. At a tender age, her heart was turned toward Damon and no one else has come close. Now that she is an adult, that seed that was planted um, never uprooted. So she is essentially doing its bidding all along. I would say if they wanted to show an empowered Rhaenyra, she would not need to bet her uncle for strength and alliance, but rather have him as part of her court. She, in fact, could radically decide to be married to no man. She has her kids. Now she's going to focus on strengthening her political ties and strategize on building the wealth of the kingdom. Shocking. Um, what do you think, Sash? Yeah, the empowered thing was not what I was getting either. Um, like, that wasn't, like, the real lust behind it in the first place for her. Like, it seemed more like um, she had the idea, like, she liked the idea of the wrongness of it, um, especially when she had these responsibilities that were coming up and all these formalities of being a woman. And we never saw really anything else um other than like that little era for her because of all the time gaps so i mean i do think her with him gives her confidence though which is similar but different um like she likes the concept of him and his personality and the way he lives uh his life uh like she likes having her bodily autonomy and the i do what i want attitude um which he absolutely has as well um I never got the sense of empowerment, though. Uh, just, like, more kinky-shaped <laughs> stuff and them actually just being kindred spirits at the same time. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I would have liked to have seen uh, more of him backing her up or speaking up on her behalf to help her during the conflict at the end. Um, he did step up uh, with Cole, which was really great, but it didn't feel like any other characters noticed that um, since there was chaos in that moment. So again, like where, where is that empowerment coming? Like a backup, somebody is different than somebody who empowers you, you know, mm. um, like people, you know, could have seen that and we could have added another layer of people noticing and like, Ooh, shock and awe. Those old rumors might have been true with her, but like there wasn't that nobody really noticed or cared that he stepped up. Um, yeah, the relationship just feels icky to me still, um, obviously on a few levels, but I, I think I expected the incest stuff with the Targaryens going into the show, um, but not really the, the grooming or the, like mostly like the huge age gaps um, that I wasn't expecting really. Um, like her not being a child anymore is very clear. Um, 
and they've grown her up quite a bit i'd say like she's gearing up to rule and to think like a queen and doesn't actually seem like a bad mom either um but like her saying that line about not being a kid anymore totally reminds us the audience that damon and us remembers her as a horny teenager and that still feels icky to me yeah no completely agree with that last line like like I thought, I thought the scene was just so incredibly, bleh, you know, and and really, I I'm more disgusted, I think, by this scene than the orgy in which Damon tried to take advantage of her because this basically serves as a justification for grooming, as as Maria said, where Damon he's vindicated for charming and wooing his 15 year old niece because 10 years later she's not a kid anymore. And chooses him. I, I mean, and at his wife's funeral, within eyesight of the castle and all their extended family, no less. Followed by, you know, let's get married and kill my husband. That's not empowered. Like that's just doing what you've been programmed by your uncle your whole life to do. Uh, quite frankly, I think the writers and directors did a general disservice here on a really sensitive topic. And I really think they, they, they missed the mark here. Uh, this type of writing is, is not at all female empowerment. It's a mockery of it. Um, and I, I really do think that lines somewhat need to be drawn here when you're writing scripts and you're directing scripts, like it, it, it basically seems like a female did not write this at all, quite frankly, especially one who might have been through um, a, a serious trauma in, in their childhood that, that's somewhat like this. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, well, I mean, I, I, you know, good, good points there. I, I definitely, I wanted to add to, like, I think, uh, gosh, how powerful would this scene have been if, you know, he never made any moves prior and was just, you know, just kind of her friend and companion. And then they had this moment after all this time, like that would have been so much better, but instead it's, it's tainted by like that huge age gap and him, him being the one that was initiating back then rather than a hundred percent her. Yeah. Eric kind of would have been weird too, but I mean, <laughs> Targaryen, but then when she's grown up, it, okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I agreed. I mean, Again, it's warped, but if it was there, like where she was consoling him because he consoled her when she was younger, not right. in like a romantic way, but in a, you know, mm -hmm. I'm a good person way, it would make more sense to me. But the, the, it just, I, I yeah. thought it was awful. I guess knowing they're going to end up together, like they could have really just saved it for a better moment, which would have, could have been this moment, but it wasn't done right to be this moment. Yeah. Yeah. So our next question is, who should have been spanked after the baby knife fight? <laughs> Sesh, do you want to start us off? Love it. The baby knife fight was legit. I was cheering. I don't even know who I was cheering for. <laughs> I loved it. Um, but yeah, the, um, the entire guard duty was sleeping on the job, apparently. Um, I definitely get if the kids are all like kind of hanging around the castle, but like they were going out. But where the heck were they when this little fight, where this fight took place? 
not one of these children had a single guard near them. They were just all totally left alone. Um, that, that was a little odd. Um, but I evidently think there would be someone nearby. So things wouldn't have been able to have the time to escalate that far. Um, but the scene was pretty enjoyable. Um, I just would have liked some more, um, let's see. Oh, so for the, for, um, the, the punishment and that kind of stuff, like I, I would have liked to have seen some more input from some other characters, uh, even if just like to each other and not even to like the king or queen, like, oh, how do we handle this? Or like, mm-hmm. oh, we can't do an eye for an eye. That's ridiculous. So, you mm-hmm. know, like just uh, some more input from other characters. Like everyone was just kind of watching, like, just like us audience members, like, not doing anything really. Um, like I'm surprised um, nobody came up with some kind of better punishment, like, you know, not like leaving a scar, but maybe, you know, putting the kid in like a little dungeon jail for a day, emotional (laughs) scars, but like, it kind of seems more fitting. Like it was just, there were no suggestions. It was, again, it kind of missed the mark of being awkwardly silent, but (laughs) like, we we were just like all watching like a theater, even like the characters in there were watching it, like, (laughs) like an audience as well. You make a point. That's a really good point. It would have it would have felt more real. We would have felt more grounded in the scene and in the world of it if there were other people reacting instead of just the main characters. Yeah. 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 A mini walk of shame. You know. <laughs> oh. Shame. Oh, baby, nice fight, shame. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Um, you were telling me, like Sasha's saying, no guards noticed little Eamon pounce on the largest dragon in the kingdom and ride that dinosaur all over the sky <laughs> like that should have alerted a ton of guards who would have been waiting there for him when he landed um taking a dragon is a giant deal politically but that whole drama is left to little children to fight over the queen knew she was due for a spanking by her son but her son come <laughs> not by her son oh, no. oh we're getting oh no <laughs> i'm in but her son covered for her and instead she wants to take a little kid's eye out in the name of standing up for her son to which she doesn't even seem that interested in like she wasn't really holding him or, or I don't know she seemed more interested in her own drama she just They're wants to kids. <laughs> <laughs> she, she just wants to fight and make Renera suffer as we can see she tries to drag Sir Kristen into this but he insists he's not there to protect the children he's only there to protect that ass I don't know um, <laughs> I mean the king <laughs> he should have he should have sent her to bed with no supper I am also surprised the king brought back her dad as the hands since he was fired for treason there has to be other people to hire in the kingdom right i think you made that point in the the beginning there we go maria wow (laughs) gotta protect something (laughs) yeah and you know what i'll follow that up i'll follow that up yeah lord commander Kristen cole Apparently, it's it's been over 10 years, and he still has never successfully been able to catch someone sneaking out of the room. That's a good one. You know? And, and then, then he says to the king, he didn't know that was his job? I mean, come on! I mean, I mean my God. That's like, that's, that is, 
That is epic levels of incompetence right there. <laughs> and next, every single other guard in that place who apparently didn't see any of the five rugrats running about or hear them fighting. <laughs> I mean, really? Nobody protects the heirs to the throne? They deserve spankings. How about Rainer and Alcinta's mothers? You know, both have full reason to expect treachery from the other or those close to them at this point. Yeah. I mean, you know, Allison straight up murdered Rhaenyra's baby daddy. So, you know, Rhaenyra, uh, she apparently, she was too busy having a tryst with her uncle on the beach to tell anyone loyal to her to guard her children. And Allison was too busy casting devious stares <laughs> to have, to have, to have anyone in the Kingsguard protect her kids? Mm -hmm. Yeah, spankings, spankings for both of them. Next. I'm not done. Next. All the grandkids. That's right. All six of them deserve a spanking. Aegon for being Aegon. And the other five for going from hitting and punching each other to trying to kill each other with rocks and knives. And finally, let's go back to Allison's a little bit. I mean, Alison disobeyed a direct order from the king in front of the whole court. He could have easily executed her for that. I, I don't think that a spanking is suffice here, but, you know, I'll include it anyway. Also, same goes for slashing the princess, heir to the throne, completely unprovoked. You know, so finally, the king should spank himself. <laughs> With his one remaining arm and one <laughs> remaining buttock. He should. He should have told Alison that if she wants an eye so badly, then cut his out if that is her will, because harming his grandson is harming him. And let's be honest, he's probably losing an eye soon anyway, so he could point to the one that he needs gone. You know? And really, Rhaenyra, she should have made the same offer. Tell Alison to take her eye if she really wants it. And, and this one I'm being serious about, because it would have been in character for her as Rhaenyra to say that, because she said the same thing to Damon earlier in the series. It shows who she is, and that would get people to follow her. I mean, really, if Alison even thinks of doing that, she becomes the Mad Queen. She will, she will never amount to anything nobody will follow her you know uh so it, it's basically calling just a major major bluff that she can do nothing about and embarrassing her in front of everybody which seems something rainera would do but she didn't so uh the, there is one person though i want to point out that i'm going to give a break that he does not deserve a spanking and that's Lenor because he was actually mourning the death of his sister. <laughs> you know, you know, he's the only person who was doing that. I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess, Lanus was in her own in her own way by 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 you know arguing with her husband. But you know, Lenor, I think he deserves some time to himself. You know, to wander into the very cold ocean. <laughs> Once it doesn't get swept away, I guess. Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. So uh, next question is, why do you ship? I'm sorry. Who, who do you ship as the rightful ruler? 
Was Laner in on the plan the whole time, or did Rhaenyra and Daemon really plan to kill him and his lover? Um, did they make a different plan? All right, I'm going to start again. <laughs> At this point, I am convinced the king is never going to die, so it is a moot point. He will be floating. He will be a floating head in a jar. <laughs> <laughs> moaning out orders for eternity while his family stabs each other to oblivion. I, I, I saw that Futurama episode. Say <laughs> <laughs> he's like one of the first White Walkers. And now take me to the wall. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, yes. he's the Night King for sure. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I can see the show wants us to root for Rhaenyra and Damon. But I see Rhaenys as the best ruler at this point because she doesn't want the power or the glory. She just wants things to be peaceful and fair. Sounds like a good person to keep things running well. As far as Laner, I would hope he was in on it from the beginning. I mean, I think they were trying to make it confusing so that when we find out they planned it together, we root for them more. Uh, what do you think, Jonathan? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go with, with Rainus. I, I think Rhaenyra... Uh, she she appears to me wow. to be the person best suited to sit on the throne wow. um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, she was named heir to the throne uh, by the king, so she would definitely be the rightful ruler of the throne. But also, I'm basing this off of her previous episode that she actually seems to have some sort of intelligence to sit on the throne, which now after killing uh, 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 Han Strong, uh, uh, there's none of those people remaining. So she's she's basically <laughs> she's she's the last great hope at this point. Um, however, as we all know in Game of Thrones, the rightful ruler doesn't typically ever make it atop that pointy iron chair. Um, as for uh, Rhaenyra and Daemon plotting to kill Laenor, you know, really, I I have to go in a different direction because nothing out of the show running or writing staff would lead me to believe that they were willing to write uh, subterfuge or, or non-obvious long-term plays. So oh. it makes me think that they did indeed plan to kill Lainor and Damon's uh, lack of oh. any intelligence whatsoever led to the dumbest assassination <laughs> attempt I've seen. <laughs> you know? This... Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'll say, I'll say this, like, it, it seems so incredibly out of character for Rhaenyra. It's not even funny. But that said, I also don't see Damon agreeing to to doing that. I mean, he'd just kill him anyway on a whim. Uh, well, then, then again, who, who knows what Damon's character would do? <laughs> he has a marked departure from himself every single episode. This one, this one included. Hmm. What do you think, Sash? I mean, for the rightful ruler, I mean, obviously the queen who never was, duh. <laughs> uh, I'm still, I'm still shipping her. Um, but to be honest, I would like to see little weird spider girl take a crack at it. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So for Laner's death plot, um, I immediately, you know, when they first show it, Damon going up to the lover and like you said incredibly incredibly dumb idea um <laughs> my first idea was oh yeah just go and escape together like duh that's obviously what you're gonna do like it's so obvious that that's what they should do and 
what they probably would have done. Um, but yeah, like the him that coming up that he needed to die uh, right after Ray Ray explaining to Lenar that he was a good man, and right after Alicent's not okay outburst. I think the show is once again at setting us up for Ray Ray being a tried and true protagonist, as in just, you know, goody two shoes, even besides the whole Damon thing. Uh, so maybe I am biased in writing this um, because I had the exact idea as soon as I saw that he went up to the lover to be the assassin. Um, and I was screaming at the TV. Fake the death, fake the death, don't kill him. Uh, so maybe I am a little biased in that I think that would have been the smart play no matter what. But I actually do think that the plan was for them to fake it. So here's why. First off, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's a really stupid approach to go up to the lover <laughs> to be the killer. Yeah. <laughs> like what a hard read that would have been. And He's a knight, too. So you're going up to the honorable person that's in love to (laughs) be an assassin of their own lover. (laughs) Pretty big gamble. Uh, Enough of a bad bet where I would also call it stupid. So secondly, them uh, escaping to live in a secret love where only money matters and not names. We've literally been told this exact same idea already from Cole when he was proposing mm-hmm. to Ray Ray. She used the exact same plan here. It just mm-hmm. it just makes too much sense that that's, that it was totally plotted mm-hmm. and that the plan was for them to just live in GTFO. Yeah. So, so basically we're deciding between Ray Ray coming up with an intelligent plan <laughs> or Damon coming up with an incredibly stupid plan. I say coin flip. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, you know what? Actually, I thought of something else, too. Yeah. There was the theory that Allison had sent the order to kill the, you know, the the um, uh, uh, Night's Guard, who's the father. But that's just a theory, and we know that's not what really happened there. Now, Ray Ray might get those same theories around her, quote unquote, dead husband, even though she didn't kill him. So they're both just going to think each other are evil or they could just have a conversation and we'll, you know, instead of fighting, but yeah. <laughs> duality there. So maybe hopefully they'll play into that. Yeah. <clears throat> Our next question is, what do you think of the pacing of the episode? Was time properly spent where it should have been? Um, why don't you start us off, Jonathan? Uh, I think I mentioned this earlier, but overall, um, in my opinion, the pacing really struggled uh, in that first half of the episode. Uh, the funeral scenes, me, that just went on and on and on. Um, you know, was was the eight to ten minutes of awkward silences and stares really necessary? Um, I think a good five minutes could have easily been cut there. Also, the romantic nature of the Rhaenyra Damon scene, that seemed entirely unnecessary to me and, and not fitting with either of those two characters. Um, I mean, so supposedly, let's just think about this logically. Uh, Damon, 10 years ago, spurned her because the directors said she was interested in him. So suddenly he's now interested in her. And for her... He leaves her high and dry and uh, a couple times, and now she's like, oh, I need to jump as well. It, it just, 
I, I don't know. Like, like that doesn't make sense because again, there was, there was nothing romantic about their entire conversation. But then again, that could just be my sensibility talking here. So anyway, also in the first half of that episode was the dragon flight, which, you know, it's fun. So I'll give it a pass, but but it also seemed very long compared to other things within the, the episode. Now, after that point, the whole second half of the episode, I actually thought the pacing was was really, really good. You know, from the fight to the council to the treachery, you know, that all really flowed to me. And I know there could be some argument with, with the wedding uh, taking place or the marriage of uh, Rainer and Damon. But honestly, that sort of seemed on point to me that they just have a really quick wedding right after that without without anything so for me the second half of the episode that would get an a for me as far as pacing is concerned uh the first half of the episode though that would uh that would get a d minus that's fair what do you think sash uh i think the pacing it's all my fault i asked for people looking at each other instead of talking and that's what we got (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh the the funeral felt stifled and, and stiff in ways I don't think they were going for. Like to counter the producer's notes at the end of the show, um, of the awkwardness bleeding through of everyone being new and that was like one of their earliest shoots. Uh, I don't think it was to the benefit of the episode. Um, like there could have been clever dialogue, there could have been like more interactions or any besides the children really, um, uh, who I think actually had a very good interaction at the prop mm-hmm. at the funeral. Um, it's very believable for the kids to just act the way that they had. Um, but otherwise, the funeral just felt weird. I, I, I don't think it was too long necessarily, but it was just too empty. Uh, the pacing, besides that, for the whole episode, except like the very very ending bit uh, with the with the wedding, uh, for mm-hmm. me uh, felt really good actually. Uh, the one thing was the quickie wedding at the end. I think that should have been saved for maybe the next episode, even if it was still done quickly. Yeah, I mean, it would have given some drama buildup. You know, they keep they keep sanding it. Um, I, I like the length of time spent on the funeral scene. However, like you said, I think they could have made the most of it with different character interactions. For example, Allison to Rhaenyra could have butted heads more here to build up the tension for the later scenes. I think the king should have been eyeing the son of the ex-hand more and seeing he is acting strangely, uh, showing his growing suspicions. I think Sir Kristen should have been more in the shadows and not really talking with Alicent, but showing him observing to build more mystery about where his allegiances lie. Or if he is in love with her, show that visually as she moves to the scene, trying to take care of Viserys. Yeah. Yeah. I... I, I I agree. I mean, I have to say, with what they've done with Sir Kristen's character, it's it's just a straight up tank job because, uh, you know, it's I'll say this: it's okay if you even turn him into a bad guy or turn him into a villain, but it just seems rushed. It seems sloppy. It it just, I mean, they they basically killed his his character and in, uh, in 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 name alone. Yeah, it, it, he feels almost like a throwaway character, almost like too, super, superfluous at this point, which right. is weird because, you know. Yeah, um, he's he's the guy who drives along the plot now with yeah. with, with Damon. Both of them are, are just uh, walking plot markers. <laughs> <He's the state. laughs> 
So our, uh, our next question is, shot in the dark, but who's to blame? <laughs> Why does the show insist on shooting things so dark and hazy? Sash, what do you think? Uh, okay, so this is something that was bothering me. I get the drabby, desaturated feel for a funeral of a likable character who was cared for by others. Again, we didn't get to know her very well, um, so I, I couldn't really get too sad about the whole thing. Uh, but I understand the dark shadow we overcast for this episode. Um, so speaking of darkness, uh, the beach stuff felt way on the dark side. Like, they, they should have just committed to it being night instead of dark, dark, dark gray. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, then it was followed by Eamon going on his dragon hunt. And since it was so dark, like, at first, I thought he had witnessed Ray Ray and Damon's dirty deed. Because yep. mm -hmm. they shot it like we were supposed to actually be able to see what Damon was looking at. But I couldn't <laughs> see what he was looking at. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, I really did have to squint to make out a lot of this episode. Um, like, I absolutely do get the directing choice of being dark. And... I just like that, but I'm um, like, yo, he's up on the color correction there, buddy. <laughs> Jonathan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, they, they really do love their their night scenes. Um, I, I know I rewatched a couple of those, and, and it's true, like a good quarter of the screen or half of the screen at certain points were, were just way too dark to pick up any detail. Um, however, uh, I will give credit. That is right. I am giving credit uh, in that the cinematographer, the colorist, and, and the gaffers, they did seem to do a much improved job here from both Game of Thrones and the earlier episodes in this very series, as they were able to shoot with enough light that viewers could actually see what was occurring in most of those scenes. Now... <laughs> I I realize these these night shots are are novel and are a somewhat newer medium to shoot in, but they're just so hard to love for me. As as you really need to pay attention as a viewer to get all the details of the shot, and even then it feels like you're you're missing half of it. So I I get the novelty, um, and I say. Good job trying to be groundbreaking, but I, I just don't think it's worth the effort. And and I don't think it comes across as well as the director or cinematographer believe that it does. Um, you know, they, they seem infatuated with this because they just keep going back to it and back to it and, and back to it. Maybe it is because so many com people complain about it in Game of Thrones <laughs> for that one episode. They're, they keep saying, you know what, we're going to show them. We're going to do it right. We're going to pound this down their throats until they like it. We'll love it this time. Yeah, but no, I, I'm ready to move on from, from this experiment. Uh, it's, it's, it's okay. You know, everybody understands it's not realistic to, to shoot everything in, in, in daylight or, or twilight hour or, you know, that perfect time. But I mean... It's either that or you don't get to watch the episode. So I, I think most people will take the former. It turns into a podcast. Right, right. <laughs> and, then, and then Luke slices him with the dagger, taking out his eye. I hear the blood. I hear the blood. Um, I really thought 
the hazy part of the show would be over now that we are almost done with the time skips. But alas, it is not the case. Now it is cloudy and dark. I don't really understand that choice here. It pulls me out of the show as I'm trying to squint to see what is going on. So I, I agree with you guys. Yeah. All right. Um, is there any questions from the audience we want to take before going to the showrunner question? Uh, there, there actually do seem to be uh, quite a bit. So let me put on my, my reading eyes and try <laughs> seeing what I can see here. So from Rebel Warren, what do you think of Amon's personality from episode six to episode seven? What do you think of his character? Yeah, that was quite a shift, huh? Yeah. Uh, I mean... Uh, all right. I'll put it this way. He's been bullied a lot. You know, he's taken a lot. He's felt like a bit of a laughing stock. His brother, Aegon, seems honestly sort of like a maniac. Um, and he goes on one dragon ride and all of a sudden he's the man, you know, but no, I don't think he'd be that mean to his, to his siblings. Like, I mean, honestly, uh, 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 Lena's kids, Lena and Damon's kids, they haven't done anything to him at all. And then um, Rhaenyra's kids, like, they didn't really do, they're do so anything. They're so little. Like, yeah, they teased him, but they're so tiny. And he didn't seem, they didn't show any cruel streak to him when he was sad about the, the piggy thing. He was just sad. Like, if they showed him being kind of a jerk a little bit, then him doing this after he gets confident would have made more sense, but they didn't really, they didn't show much of who he was at all. I felt just that he was bullied, but not who he was. Yeah. They, yeah. Like, I mean, they, they can almost made it out where it was like, yeah, those little brat bully him. Go ahead, kids. Like it was almost like, is that who he always was? Like, yeah. I do think they tried to make it look like he had a character shift. So we'll see. I'm hoping this was like, maybe he had that little, you know, dragon rider high or whatever where he had the attitude um like ah uh, show him but i i'm hoping that this moment actually like knocked him back on his ass so maybe he's gonna be a reasonable kid um because i mean i really did like his his last line too you know it's an eye but we got a dragon so mm -hmm. he, he might actually have a good head on his shoulders even if this was like a dumb little punk brat thing for him to do <laughs> so so i mean the one thing I noticed for how they cast him is they seem to cast him as more intelligent, more reserved, more of a thinker out of all of the children, um, which is why it was a little bit weird that he reacted so so violently um, there. Um, however, his response, I actually think it's it's the it's somewhat the opposite session. same reasoning, but but the opposite thing. He seems very intelligent, which means that that he seems like he'll be a heavy 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 player in the in the years to come because unlike his brother who seems like an absolute maniac <laughs> like this guy seems Damon. like like that's exactly what i pictured damon as as a kid yeah same. yeah th this guy is like he he's sort of like little finger with actual royalty it seems <laughs> it, it seems like he has a chance to be so well yeah i mean especially the way he handled his mom like even he, like with pa a painful eye situation, is just like calm down, mom. It's okay. Like, yeah, yeah. and a very good head on his shoulders. Um, so we'll we'll see what way he goes with stuff. And even if he is very reasonable, um, 
uh, the lines in the sand have been drawn. So I, I am hoping for a really smart character. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, we we need it in this series. Uh, good, good question. All right, next question uh, from Warren: Does Lenor being alive make sense considering his dragon sea smoke? Oh, that's a good point. He gave up his his dragon if he's still alive to go ahead and live oh. a life on the uh, on on the seas. Um, yeah, that's a fair question. He seemed he seemed to like battle, but yeah. maybe he likes love more. Maybe he <laughs> just wants to go and be happy. But he really does seem to love the kids, you know. Um, would the dragon have a sense that he's still alive and like follow him? Do dragons do that? I oh, mean, like, probably, dragons? probably, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Because Connection. I'm maybe the dragon won't um, attach on to another person while he's still alive, mm-hmm. or maybe he'll go find him. Maybe his little niece can actually have that dragon that she wanted, which I predicted close but incorrectly last week. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have another question. Okay. Um, how do we think about the big time shift? It seems like the next episode. Yeah. Uh, Eye Patch Kid looks as old <laughs> as Damon. Uh, thank you, Bear UNLV. Again. Yeah. Once again, another time shift. It's Absolutely. getting harder because they're, I feel like they're finally finding their momentum with these episodes. And so it just, it is, it is jarring. I think each time there is a time shift, even if these episodes are really well done, like these next few or however many they're going to be, these time shifts, like what, what's the, what point in time are they trying to get to that's the main story? Like, I feel like that that's what we're still like waiting on. And all these time shifts just make me feel like they're, they still don't have a main story. Right. It's, it's, it's tough. It's weird. And we miss so much. Like, we're really going to do a time shift after the stabbing incident. There's not going to be like anything in the works right now for how many years? Like another, like five, 10 years, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's rough. I, I want them. I'm happy. They finally got some some rhythm so now i just want them to actually have like a good momentum and i think these are all going to be um like they've all kind of been some kind of speed bump like none of them have really been beneficial Mm -hmm. other than like they should just started the story here so i don't want to feel like that again for another episode yeah no no absolutely it's another 10 years like like what what are we trying to show i guess then everything up to this point was just was just history you know, and, and, and recap is, yeah. is at this point, Damon, Rainera, and Allison's even important to the show, or is it just going to be about the kids? They're just trying to show how long one man can live with leprosy. <laughs> <laughs> that is their entire goal. Yeah, he's still alive next episode. <laughs> I don't know if make bets about this, because yeah, yeah, how, how is he not dead? <laughs> but guess what, guess when this guy dies? Just keep watching. Yeah. It's going to happen. Like, it's like they're, I think they're playing a prank on us. It's the central question of the show, I think. He's, he's, <laughs> had, he's had limbs falling off of him for 25 years now. How many limbs does a person have? It really is. It's less about, okay, who's going to take over when he dies? The question is, when does he die? Never. Never. Maria is right. Never. <laughs> Oh, I'm saying it's going to be at the end of the season, but they're going to be through like 40 years at that point. Mm-hmm. Like, how did I guess right? It took him this many years. 
Oh, we have another question. Yeah, his 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 maester deserves lordship. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. Give this guy several rings. Several. He can own all the rings. All the rings. He is he is good. To he has think, magic reaches. <laughs> yeah. To think that they fell off from this maester to to Pycel in Game of Thrones. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's quite a fell. The the time skips come at a cost, and that is the king's lips. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It means you only have to do uh, the prosthetics once. You don't, you don't have to keep doing them several times in an episode. All right. Um, so Final yeah, let's let's uh, let's move on. I think that's the last of the viewer questions. So showrunner question then. Yes, yes, yes. So the showrunner states that Allison finally got to show her emotions this episode, as they have been repressed up to this point, and it was a joy to see her explode in the way she did. Do you feel the same way, uh, Jonathan? Oh, right? absolutely. No. <laughs> no. No. I mean, I mean, maybe the showrunners are watching a different show than I am. Are they? Maybe they're rewatching Game of Thrones. I'm not sure. But if there is one thing that I felt that has been consistent in this show, it's been Allison's acting emotionally and and not intelligently or rationally. You know, she behaved in a manner that seems within her character. This episode, she she told the king. Uh, like in the past, she's told the king what she truly thinks in every episode we've seen with the two of them. And she's acted on it outside of those conversations. Uh, an example of this is when she basically told half of Westeros Rhaenyra's kids were bastards, despite the king telling her to never speak on it. Or going ahead and showing up late to Rhaenyra's wedding while wearing her own house's colors, you know, and making a huge giant scene of it. This, this didn't feel all that much different other than her actively drawing a weapon and defying the king straight to his face after he told her publicly not to. I, I didn't see her pushed over the edge or explode this episode. I just saw her basically do what she's been doing this, this whole time. Yeah. Alicent has been exploding since Rhaenyra's wedding. Her behavior is not surprising this episode, just bigger. So I wouldn't call it a joy. If she were if she were quiet and non-aggressive in previous episodes without complaint, then she suddenly demands eyeballs. That would have been more interesting. Mm -hmm. As far as the word joy, I can't feel joy for a character's actions unless they meet a few criteria. Oh, Here we go. Oh, Number yeah. one, I have sympathy <laughs> for them. Number two, their arc makes complete sense at every step. Number three. Something about their change is surprising, yet in retrospect, it makes perfect sense to their character. So for Alicent, her arc stopped making sense for me due to the extreme time jumps and her somehow being less aware and centered than she was as a youth. If a person is naturally level-headed and wise, even if they're betrayed, they will eventually work their way around the hurt due to their inherent wisdom. That is what I thought Alicent had. She was given 10 years to work through her betrayal and the benefit of an adult mind would have added to that wisdom. But in this storyline, that does not happen. Finally, based on the previous two episodes, her behavior was not surprising, so it did not meet two of my three criteria. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. What do you think, Sash? Uh, so I'm 
on two sides of the coin here. So I don't feel like the violent outburst was something I was expecting or wanting from her. Like, I think that part actually did, did feel really out of character. Uh, her speaking to the king the way she did felt good. And that part, I can see that them saying that we're joy for. Um, that felt true to her feelings, spilling over. But once she got violent, it just felt lazy. Um, like exactly how it felt with Knight Cole when he had his outburst, like the physical outbursts like that, like don't really actually play that well in the series so far. Like it's not really what the show is about. The show is, it's a game of Thrones. It's game of war. It's game of words. Um, not immature, violent outbursts. Those that's not what plotting is about. Um, especially <laughs> the kind of plotting in this series or where it should be. So that coming from like two characters that have been established as honorable or do, uh, duty obligated or responsible, like Allison and Cole, suddenly having these violent outbursts, it just it, it just feels kind of lazy. Let's just make them fight for some reason. Uh, like like I liked Allison talking back to the king in front of everyone though. I think that fully got the point across while keeping within her character limits. Um, but also pushing her boundaries in the direction that they should be for where I think they're trying to establish her now. Cause yeah, she hasn't been that consistent either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, she gets, she gets Rhaenyra's bow killed and yet she's still talking to Laris yeah. this, this very episode showing very intentional. Mm -hmm. So and we're supposed to go and say, oh, her pulling a knife and wanting to take out one of Rhaenyra's kids' eyes is weird or slashing Rhaenyra? Like, no, that that's her. Like, like that's that's her character. Yeah. So now we're we're at the uh, end of our of our review, and we're going to go into the ratings and would you continue watching section. Um, Seth, you want to get us going? Uh, sure. Um, so I think. Uh... Last episode needed some benefit of time to see how things play out. But I think this episode, um, I can confidently say it was like pretty good. Like it's standalone. Like I can tell like, all right, this is okay. This is pretty good. Um, which I haven't really been able to say before. I think, uh, <laughs> looking back, I, I, this might be the best episode. Last one was like pretty all right, but I still think it needs a little bit of time to simmer. Um, I got a good flavor of so many of the characters, and so many bits of the plot actually moving forward um, with what happened with where we left with like actual lines for the main and like through lines for the main plot and the subplots where next episode we can actually look forward to stuff playing out from the events of this episode. I don't really think we've had something so strong like that before. Like I don't want to compare my numbers to the original Game of Thrones with this show. Mm -hmm. uh, but this show, like, on its own, like, I mean, I am kind of made me feel like a, a 7 or a 7.5 for especially like what we've seen with this show. Um, maybe this one would be, like, just one full point out of our 1 to 10 scale of better than the last episode. But honestly, I, you can't deny the entertainment of a, of a good child fight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
yeah, you know, <laughs> I thought this episode <laughs> was a decent progression overall from the previous episode. In spite of the criticisms, I was engaged by the episode and thought it was slightly better than the previous one, like you said. Uh, so I would rate this 6.75. <laughs> I just can't bring myself to get it to a 7 because there was only one satisfying character reaction in my book, and that was Luke defending his older brother with rage beyond his years and a quick knife hand. Yes. Amond getting a dragon wasn't really satisfying because I never got to bond with him. Uh, yes, he was picked on, but I wasn't introduced to him to really feel for him or know what kind of person he is. Uh, Ray Ray and Damon consummating their years-long yearning felt underwhelming and inappropriately timed. And uh, Allison throwing a fit wasn't surprising. Uh, watching Laris lurk about was just irritating because it wasn't subtle. And <laughs> and uh, singing, seeing the king apologize to Damon isn't new. He tends to do that with his brother in the past. Forgive, banish, forgive, banish. Uh, Jonathan, where are you at with this? Yeah, that seems like a normal family. Uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I'm also going to give this episode a slightly higher mark. Um, while I did not like much of the first half of the episode, um, again, to me, it felt it felt slow, it felt plotting, uh, laden with, with exposition whenever there actually was speaking parts, um, with me getting horror flashbacks of how Twilight was cut. Uh, I was basically forced at gunpoint to watch that film, so um, it wasn't, wasn't a good feeling. Um, the, uh, the second half, though, uh, I thought really was much, much better. Like, that actually felt really good. Um, uh, I would have, if it was just that second half of the episode, I would consider rating it way, way up there, actually. Uh, that felt good to me. Um, but overall, we're basing it off of the whole episode. Um, I, I give this episode a, a 6 out of 10, maybe a 6.5. Uh, nothing to write home about, but I thought it was decent. Uh, this, this was a passing grade for me. Um, a high C, maybe a C plus. Um, I am definitely not looking forward to yet another time skip as we talked about next episode why 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 well, I, I i wanted more night child fights and now we're not gonna get them because we're gonna all be grown up it could have been so fun i mean we you know i guess i like this episode because we had that and we had like stink eye a hundred percent of the episode <laughs> oh we have a review from the audience Ooh. Yes, a uh, crazy Kyle says no. A D twenty. A D twenty for sure. Uh, roll of the die. Oh, maybe D twenty or maybe Actually. twenty isn't what he's trying to say there. But like a D and, for and sure. he's like a solid a solid D. Hmm, intriguing. Yeah, he just rolled the dice. He's like, that's my rating. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> oh, we. Yeah, yeah, yes, a die. Okay. <laughs> you just roll, roll a die and whatever it comes roll up with. Okay. That's, that's how good it is this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we could, yeah. Basically, what they do with the time sticks. Like what time do you think next I, I finally got to the point where I'm not. I know I still am comparing it to the original series, but I feel like, you know, a seven is not a Game of Thrones seven, but a House of Dragons seven. They're mm -hmm. different. They are definitely different. Yes. The bar is low. I, I only got that. It's so low. 
Oh, man. All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Kyle, for, for your ratings. Any other ratings from the audience quickly before we move on to the outro? Out of 10, letter grades. Ooh, a solid seven from Bear. Yes. LP. Yeah, solid seven from Bear. All right. Yeah, so it seems like uh, most of us agree somewhere between a six and a seven this uh, uh, this episode. So, all right. Uh, with that, let's get to that outro. So, all, thank you so much for joining us this evening and watching until the end. Um, again, we really appreciate all your support, and hopefully uh, we did bring you some indulgent conversation uh, and some some laughs tonight. I, I brought Sesh a couple laughs. That's that's something. I've never done that before in my... Uh... Stop and dragon riding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the next uh, rap CD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently, apparently, what gets the likes from her is his child, child's fighting with knives. So, so really, really, we need to get that cable channel going right oh, now, no. right now. Good uh, fights. Yeah. So yeah. You know, the grown-ups have just been so boring and still refreshing. Yeah. So again. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's your support that makes it worth it. Um, if you like this show, uh, please like, share, subscribe, and heart. Do, do the likey thing. And again, just like last episode, if you hated this show, please make sure to go ahead and you like that twice because we have metrics, we record it, and the more double likes we get, the more we make sure to change our episode next episode. So just keep watching, keep double liking, triple liking if you have to, and we will get this done. We will make sure we make the show that you wanna see. Um, so again, some bad news due to scheduling conflicts. Our next episode uh, will not be on Monday of next week, but will again be on Wednesday uh, of next week. That's Wednesday, October 12th at 8 p.m. Pacific time. 11 p.m. Eastern time. So for you regular Monday listeners, again, hopefully this change in date won't be too problematic for you. Uh, we hope, uh, we really are trying to do this this Monday schedule sometimes. Uh, unfortunately, it does get a little bit hard, um, but um, uh, we're working on it. So hopefully we can we can get that and keep that uh, Monday, Monday schedule uh, the same. Um, that said, if you're really itching for some Could You Do It Better, um, we will make a half-hearted promise uh, to you, uh, depending on what the intern can accomplish. Um, but uh, we will try to rerun one of our previous unaired episodes from Game of Thrones. That's right. Back from the original Game of Thrones series, we might try to rerun one of our unaired episodes on Monday, October 10th at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern time uh, during our regular time slot. So, uh, so we can be heard twice in the same week. Amazing. I know. I know. We're we're picking it up. And uh, believe me, I am I'm going to be whipped into submission to try and get that available for you on, on, on Monday. But yeah, it would be an unaired episode. And then on Wednesday, we'd go back to our uh, to our live show where we'll be talking about episode eight. Uh, so without any further ado, thank you all. Uh, yep, thanks. See you next week. See you Wednesday. 
we are going hard, I guess. All right. Awesome. So thank you guys uh, so much. And again, until next time, could you do it better? All right. Bye, guys. Thanks, everyone.